0: Authors, editors, publishers, book cover designers, agents, critics, readers. A whole lot of professionals come together for a book. We are going to explore the world of books in our unique podcast show called Book Lounge. Book Lounge is brought to you by iCafe Podcasts, born with a collaboration between Tell Me Your Story and Zero R Entertainment. I am your host, Koral Dasgupta, all set to ask some interesting, straightforward, and fun questions to our guests. Today, we are sitting with Apurva Purohit, who is the president of Jagran Group, and she is an author. Her books are well-read, and we all know her. Apurva, welcome to Book Lounge. Thank you. Both your books are more about women working in the corporate setup. So I wanted to ask you for women who are going out of their house and work there, who must balance both home and office simultaneously. Uh, They often use the word burden for either space. Either they're burdened with the home or they're burdened with the office.
1: How does your books address this burden? Both my books are called lady or not a man or lady or the boss along with the phrase the adventures of a woman at work. So the point that I want to drive to women that of course life is difficult, life is hard, life is challenging but it is challenging for anybody who wants to succeed Mm. whether it is men or women Mm. and therefore don't look at the multitasking that you do as a burden, but look at it as an adventure. And the moment your outlook towards it changes and you start looking at it with a positive perspective, Mm. you'll start enjoying everything. Mm.
0: So uh, what do you think is the extra bit that women employees bring to the table? I mean, have you ever experienced or would you like to point out anything as specifically gender-driven skills, which are more in the women, less in men or something like that?
1: I think being a good manager or a good leader is gender agnostic. Absolutely. So you can have great male leaders, great female leaders. Equally, you can have bad female managers mm-hmm. and bad male managers. However, I certainly uh, say that both genders bring something different to the table. Mm-hmm. Um Men bring us a a bit more of aggression, Mm -hmm. a bit more of self-confidence because they've been doing this for centuries. They've been hunters for centuries. However, women who have traditionally played the nurturing role, I think they bring to the the, the corporate table and to the boardroom that sense of nurturing. They bring this whole collaborative approach, which is what they have been socialized with. Mm -hmm. And... And the collaboration, the willingness to teach people, the willingness to nurture. I think they are great things for a woman leader to have. And I often see that not only do women bring this element to the table, but a lot of men learn from their women colleagues and become far more nurturing and far more uh, multi uh, dimensional teachers mm-hmm. than they were earlier.
0: You know, this question leads me to ask you uh, two more
1: uh,
0: questions. One is, uh, it reminds me of the book, uh, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venice. Do you believe in that concept?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, As I said earlier, that good good or bad leaders are gender gender neutral. But of course, uh, men... For two reasons, a bit that the brains have been wired from childhood differently, both Mm. men and women, and they've been socialized differently. The contexts that men grow up in and the contexts that women grow up in are very different. As a result, even though they may have the same um, uh, physiological, Mm. um, uh, the same kind of body, but because of the context, they behave differently. Mm -hmm. So, I don't think we teach men to be... Adjusting. Mm. I don't think we teach men to say that, you know, uh, learn to collaborate better. Mm. We, te- we teach men to fight more, be hunters, be ag- aggressive, be uh, the, the more visible part of the species. Whereas we teach women to be a little more invisible, to be a little more subdued, to be a little more adaptive and I think that shows in how they behave Mm -hmm. though of course jokingly one would always say that you know (laughs) men never ask for directions which Mm. is a stereotype (laughs) which is true that was my second question actually
0: (laughs) that I was uh, when I decided that uh, I would uh, invite you for this show I was just reading up the stuff that you have brought up in your book and also I googled a few things that what are the skills which are very gender specific if one has to name and one of those that a person had written was men never ask even if they don't know something, they have this
1: strange, uh, you know, mind block. They would not ask. They would try to prove that they know. <laughs> <laughs> is that true? Equally, in, as far as uh, directions are concerned. So coming here, we've got lost for hour <laughs> because my driver refused to ask and I was rolling down the window and asking people where, where is this building?
0: <laughs> okay. Uh, tell me about your research, uh, research phase with the books. I mean, did you allocate a special time for that or given your rich experience for all these years, the content just came naturally to you?
1: I've been working and interacting with people for the last 30 years mm-hmm. and many of them have been women. Mm-hmm. And in these 30 years, I have seen the struggles women have faced in trying to become part of the corporate world mm-hmm. or the workforce, which is not their natural Uh, um, ambience or environment and uh, every time I saw what they were doing I also realized that a lot of other women are facing exactly the same problems Mm -hmm. so the problems or the issues or the challenges that women face are very similar which are very similar to the problems that I faced Mm -hmm. and therefore a lot of what I have written is based on either personal anecdotes and anecdotes of women that I have seen around myself Mm -hmm. The, the beauty of this whole thing is that when I wrote these books, a lot of women called me up and how did you get into our bedroom or a or house? Because this is exactly the problem that I face. This re- resonates so much. It's so relevant because this is exactly the story of my life. Mm. And I think that is, that is really the power of both the books because through the individual stories that I have shared... Mm-hmm the larger sisterhood is getting a feeling that this is this is exactly what's happening to me. So maybe my problems are just not mine alone. Hmm. This is being faced by all women. And therefore, I think that gives them a lot of strength because, you know, I, it's not just me who's going through this difficulty. Hmm. It's scores of other women and they persevered and succeeded. So can I.
0: True that. What kind of women have you grown up with? I'm very tempted to ask you this because... Uh, I mean, I understand that your family, neighbors, teachers, friends, there would be a lot of people and uh, their strengths and events, the kind of time that you have spent with them Mm -hmm. must have inspired you to be the person that you are today. Mm -hmm. So tell me a little bit about the women that you have grown up with. The
1: first part is that I would like to talk about the environment and the ecosystem I grew up in, which was, you know, this uh, very similar to the army background. So my father was in government service and we used to keep getting transferred every three years to a new city. And uh, in that city, however, the colony that you stayed in was the colony of the ONGC people, which Mm. is where my father worked. And when I grew up, I realized that that was possibly the most ideal upbringing because we were living with people from all parts of the country. So there were people from North India, South India, West India and nobody actually pointed out that this person is from this region or from this mm. caste. We were just the ONGC family. And, and those were townships, right? Those were Outsuits? colonies. Those were colonies. Okay. Those were colonies. And and I think... I. Therefore, never grew up with any kind of bias whatsoever mm-hmm. or any kind of prejudice okay, Gujarati, hai, so he is like this or he is Punjabi, so she mm-hmm. is like that. We just were one family and I think that's made me a very liberal-minded person. Equally, it's made me very tolerant of the foibles and peculiarities of different types of people. Equally, it's made me very comfortable with any part of the country. So now that I run media networks where for example our radio stations are in 40 cities I'm equally com- comfortable with my Chennai um, station as I'm comfortable with my Jalandhar station mm. because I've seen those I've seen those areas You right? know the cultural aspects of I it I know the cultural aspects it, of it so I think that's one part that truly unity in diversity mm. truly uni- uh, Unici- unity, unity in diversity is something that we learnt as we were going nobody mm. taught us in textbooks mm. we were brought up like that so that's, that's that's one fabulous upbringing. The other thing is my mother herself. She's a super intelligent woman. She's done a PhD. Because of her husband, my father, was in a transferable job, she had to keep moving. So she never had a steady career. Mm. But she wherever she was, she made sure that she worked. And she was running the house. She was working. She was bringing us up to be very, very um, dedicated and concentrate all our energies towards education. Mm. Because education was always seen as the way out of, you know, well, any kind of stagnation? Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. So I think I would say that out of all the women that I know, she's the one who's unconsciously mentored me. I've been inspired by her. She's the one who's pushed me to do whatever I've set out to do. Okay.
0: Uh, what kind of future would you like to see in the corporate world? Or not just corporate world, any kind of working environment? Uh Would you like to tell us your vision regarding the equality and inclusivity for
1: women employees or women workers for that matter? I think, you know, I've seen the corporate world change a lot in the Mm -hmm. last 30 years that I've been working from where we started off to now. There was no concept of diversity and should we do something special for women. There were hardly any women working at that stage. Mm. To a situation now that everybody is very cognizant of this fact, everybody is making sure that they have the diversity agenda, whether it is organizing flexi timing or creches or giving the six months maternity leave, etc, etc. So I think organizations are doing a lot from the policy perspective. Mm. A lot of them are also fulfilling the spirit behind the policy. So they're genuinely interested in ensuring there is diversity. Mm-hmm. And the reason this is happening is because because I think organizations have realized that diversity is a driver for profit. Mm-hmm. The more diverse an organization, the better it is able to manage the challenges of this uncertain environment, the uh, the slowdowns and the upswings, etc, etc. So, it's no longer a CSR initiative. Mm. You know, <laughs> that having women is important to organizations. So, I'm clearly seeing the environment become far more inclusive. So, I'm very happy with that. You ask me what is my vision for an even more inclusive environment. I would say my vision would be that women themselves saw them as equal partners. I think mm. somewhere women are struggling to be part of that inclusive uh, work environment because at home and in society outside, there are still a lot of um, prejudices and biases that are pulling them back. So if you work, you're considered not to be a good mother. If you're a good mother, then they say, oh my God, she doesn't earn a living for herself. Mm. Um, If you leave your child at home, People, you feel guilty uh, all the time. Oh my God, I left my kid at home to come to work. I'm not taking care of my house. I'm not, you know, being the perfect mother. Because there were a lot of other roles that they're playing. Mother, Mm. wife, sister, daughter, daughter daughter-in-law and a corporate executive. And they're trying to fulfill everything. So my vision really would be for that women themselves recognize that they, they are equal. And if I'm equal, I don't have to worry about the fact that my house is not dusted or I'm not a great cook. You know, equality means that you accept yourself for what you are. Mm-hmm. And you don't try to overcompensate. Only when we believe that we are not equal, we try to overcompensate. And we're not doing it. enough. Yeah. We're not doing enough. We try to Compensate. If I believe I'm equal, I don't need to compensate for anything. So, Mm. what if I'm not a good cook? My husband doesn't know how to cook. So, what if my house is not dusted? My husband doesn't think about that. Mm. So, I think I would like that change, and that change can only come in the mind of all women. The environment. There is nothing more the environment can do. It's done. It's put the policies in place. It's it recognizes that women are important. It's now I as a woman who need to change. True that. Would you like to tell us about one woman colleague
0: who had inspired you immensely, and you may have learned a lot from?
1: I think different women inspire me at different stages of life. I have women um, subordinates and I there's this lovely girl who works for us in our sales department and She's junior to you? She's junior to me and I've seen her you know grow from a sales executive to a sales head. Mm-hmm. I've seen her grow from a very, very um, middle class environment where um, her mother taught herself English so that she could teach her daughters. She's, she, she's a single woman. Mm. She takes care of her parents. Mm. She's very comfortable with her status. Mm. She's done extraordinarily well in life. She's dri- hardworking. She's driven. She's positive. And I think... A lot of us can get inspired by seeing such a a story of someone who's come in from a background where at 21, theoretically, she should have got married and had three kids. Mm. From that background to grow up, to become a sales head, remain single, dedicate herself to her work and her parents. Mm. I think it's and remain positive and cheerful. I think it's truly, Truly, It's uh, quite a combination. Yes, yes.
0: My next question is something similar, but a lot different. Has there been a colleague with whom you may have had many disagreements and you guys have been very different personalities, yet you appreciate the person? And how does that mutual respect work out in the corporate space in spite of the differences? You know, I ask you this because these are the times when relationships break very easily. But I also do understand that corporate leaders never look at the end. They always try to take things ahead and focus on where two people uh, can together fulfill a goal. That's the reason I ask you and
1: I'm sure the
0: audience would appreciate what you say.
1: I won't talk about a specific colleague, but I'll specifically talk of the the concept that you've uh, that you've raised, that how can we work better despite having people with different voices around us. And I truly believe, I truly believe that the sign of a good leader is the ability to listen to different voices. Mm -hmm. So a lot, you would have heard the saying that a good leader is one who listens more than speaks. Mm -hmm. I think a good leader is one who listens to diverse voices Mm -hmm. because I would rather have a team full of people who can argue with me, um, raise counterpoints, question my um, hypotheses because only then will a strategy or an answer emerge, which is the correct answer. Hmm. Unfortunately, most, most leaders prefer to have eye sayers, Yes hmm. men or directive yes women. More Yeah. So everybody who agrees with me and says, oh my God, you're a such a great leader. Let me just do what you ask. I think that's the wrong kind of a team to build up. So I've worked very hard to ensure that A, I build up a diverse team, but more importantly, I give them the courage to Voice their opinion. Mm. Even if we have diverse teams, the way leaders behave is they, they their demeanor, mm. obvious and unobvious demeanor is stay silent. Mm. Don't disagree with me. Otherwise, that will not be good for you. Mm. And they actually work at eroding the self-confidence of their teams. Mm. Many leaders will... Constantly be either criticizing you or telling you, you know, you still have a way to go. You still have a lot to achieve. You are you you're you're, you're not good enough. Mm. And because they're leaders, the subordinates believe them. But in a sense, that's erosion of eroding the junior self-confidence. Whereas I've always worked with people and saying, no, you're great. Say what you want. Have the courage. Have the guts to disagree with me. Nothing will happen. Mm. I think that's the teams you have to build if you want to be successful.
0: As a human being, how do you, hand, I mean, how do you achieve that? I mean, it's natural for humans uh, to uh, feel bad if countered. Yes. Right. Yes. And you are taking it probably uh, from a team, which yeah. means you take it 200 times more than. Yes.
1: yes. Well <laughs> right. Yeah. Truly said. Huh. So how do you as a human being retain that balance? I think there are two ways to retain the balance one is I always want to want to come from a context where I believe that I'm okay and you are okay Mm. you know versus I'm okay and you are not okay or I'm not okay you are okay so I want to come from that equality that you may be junior you may be senior you may be older you may be younger you may be male female but I'm okay you're okay Mm. so if I come from that approach that What you are saying, there is something right in that. What I'm saying also, there is something right in that. Now, can we find the balance? Hmm. So, what context do you approach a conversation from? If Hmm. you're approaching it from the thing that I'm okay and he or she is whatever is not, then you'll never find that balance. I think that's one part. The other part is... I always ask people to think of what their F1 is. What is the first priority in life or in anything or mm. even in an interview? What is my first priority in this particular interview? What is your first priority in doing the podcasts? So similarly, in an organization, what is my F1? My F1 should be to succeed, right? Mm. It cannot, my F1 is not, my voice should be heard over everybody else's. Mm. If that, Then I'm coming from a, return ROE which is return on ego (laughs) versus the ROE should be return on (laughs) expenditure equity etc so what is the ROI that I'm operating from my F1 cannot be my voice should always be heard Hmm. my F1 is I should succeed for me to succeed I need my team Hmm. to succeed for all of us to succeed I need to have 10 different opinions before we outline a strategy right true
0: Uh, Finally, this is the last question that I have for you, Purva. How did men react to your books, given that it says, Lady, you are the boss, and such kind of statements? I would like to know about the reviews of those who have known you and also those who have not known you but read you.
1: (laughs) So, of course, at home... Whenever we have an argument, my my husband ends the argument by putting the book in front of me and say, lady or the boss, I'm not going to fight anymore. (laughs) So he keeps on showcasing the the title of the book. Um, But um, uh, there's a good part and a bad part to it. So when I wrote the book, a lot of the second book specifically has leadership lessons which are equally valid for men and women. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then with my publisher, there was this whole conversation that ultimately this is a leadership book. Would you not like to open it out to a larger audience by not calling it lady, mm-hmm. you're the boss. Mm-hmm. And you know, sort of positioning it as a book for everybody. Mm-hmm. But I thought about it a lot. It would have expanded my um, readership. Uh, my readership. But the reason I wrote both these books were was specifically for women. You know that is where I was coming from. The mm-hmm. the the inspiration, the desire, the intent to write the book was to help women. Mm. So I said no. It doesn't matter even if it's half, even if a part of the leadership is getting cut off. Get, getting cut off. But I, this is essentially directed towards women. Of course, men. If men read it, they'll find a lot of value. So the good part is that a lot of men have read it because they, when they read the see the book, they know that half the sections mm-hmm. are leadership sections, and If you read the reviews, a lot of men have written about how this is a book that is meant for everybody. I have become a better manager or a leader after reading this book. The bad part is some of the reviews I I don't think the men have even read the book because they've just ranted about oh this is uh, this is pushing uh, inequality even more this is um, making women they try to categorize into some kind of feminism crap yeah some kind of feminism crap okay this is this is actually inciting women and do you know women are not willing to pay their part of the household Uh, so obviously they've been bitten very badly at home (laughs) because women are not paying their part of the bill women are divorcing husbands because they've become financially independent and these books push that agenda even more not a single line in my book talks about in fact it actually tells women that you have to do ABC Mm. it's not pointing fingers at men at all it's actually saying what I said in the beginning that the the women have changed. to take the extra women initiative. Have, uh, women have to change. That's what the book says. Mm. So I can make out that they haven't read the book, but <laughs> <laughs> you can't stop people from talking, right? <laughs> yeah.
0: A lot of your uh, peers in the corporate must have read it. Yes. Uh, both men and women. Yes. Uh, what did you hear from them? Because I'm uh, really, really, I'm interested in hearing this because it, the book has been written by a corporate leader yeah. and how it is perceived by a corporate leader is also important for us.
1: I think two, three things they have, many of them have said these two common two, two three common things one on the tone and tonality of the book they've said apurva is almost as if you are sitting in the room and talking to us because <laughs> that's the that's the ease of writing and ease of communication mm. in in the book it's not preachy it's not pompous it's not talking down it's like somebody sitting across and telling us a story mm. so so that's that's a lot of people have commented on that a lot of people have said that these lessons are are very, very um, valuable to us because what you have done is you have picked up practical tips. They are Mm. again not theories, okay? Leadership theories or management theories. They're actually how to scale up organizations. What is the implementation you have to do? How do you get your measurement right? How do you get your F1 right? Mm. So they're very practical tips that I can immediately implement. Mm. that's the second thing and a third is as I said in the beginning a lot of women said how did you peek into our (laughs) bedrooms how do you know this is exactly what my husband and I disagree on Apoorva, <laughs> thank you so
0: much for joining us. I mean, that was a very, very insightful conversation that we had.
1: And I'm really thankful that you came uh, on board with us for Book Lounge. Thank, thank you for calling me, though I wish your studio was not in the by lanes of Andheri. <laughs> thank you
0: for calling me. <laughs> Next time, we will try to figure out a better location for the studio. <laughs> Thank you, audience, for listening to our show, Book Lounge, brought to you by iCafe Podcasts. Please do reach out to us with your thoughts and suggestions on hello at iCafePodcasts.com. Subscribe to www.icafepodcasts.com and you can also hear us on other audio apps. Stay tuned with us for Book Lounge, iCafe is Brewing.